What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. that only you could do by holding your nose I'm assuming I don't know what the hell happens there I don't know just maybe like uh, is a double deviated septum uh, he's gonna kick my ass anyways we are a part of part two the adventure of Wrestling Geeks Alliance on the Saturday Super Show of course joining me for the second half is my co-host the 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 host of the most the uh king of the ring oh man I didn't even mean to do that Christopher Brother Ray Patton how you doing sir I'm the suicidal, genocidal, homicidal maniac. Uh, I'm doing great, man. I, you know what? I'm always excited to talk about wrestling, but we talked about so much wrestling earlier, and we still have so much more to talk about. And I am, uh, I am blossoming like a flower. I feel uh, super hyped about this. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, I guess, you know, we should just kind of go into it. Uh, later on, guys, once we get past the, uh, the rest of the news, we might be taking callers. If you are interested in calling, uh, find Chris either at his Twitter handle or his Facebook. I'll, I'll hand it to him in a second to let him let you know that. Anyways, or me on Facebook. My name is Dane, D-A-N-E. Like Doug, Alves, A-L-V-S and Victor, E-S. Message me on there. Uh, Georgia residents, if there's a million of me, I doubt there is. I think there's a Danny Alves. I'm pretty sure he's a soccer player or some shit. Message me. Message Chris. That is our screener, and we will take phone calls from you when we get to that part. Chris, give him your uh, social information. Not your yes, social security, uh, but uh, you get it. Yeah, it's Christopher Ray Patton on Facebook. You should be able to find me pretty easily. I'm also on all the Geek Vibe Nation posts. You should see me all over there. And at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. And uh, like like Dane said, if you guys have any questions, even if you don't feel like calling in, maybe you're a little shy, send them to us. We want to talk about wrestling and, and uh, answer some of your questions. So uh, just in general, like, check us out. It would be awesome. Absolutely. All right. Well, now that we got that over with, let's uh, talk about Seth Rollins burning down Twitter, Chris. You ready for this convo? Just like my little segue about him burning it down. Uh, I, I like burn it, burn it down. Didn't he hate that? And it's like the most over thing about his music. <laughs> he did at first, and then now it's it's kind of everything for him. I mean, people even say burn it down when he's doing the stomp. So, you know, that's his thing. That's his thing. <laughs> Seth Rollins, uh, favorite 
WWE wrestler, I would say, of me and Christopher. Uh, great in-ring performer. A lot of fun dude. Uh, he went on Twitter, uh, and basically, this is before Stomping Grounds. Um, if you... God, I hate to be a pessimistic jerk. This is going to sound like I'm talking a lot of shit about Seth Rollins throughout the course of this. I, I am a huge fan of Seth Rollins. I will start by saying that. I mean, Chris can vouch for me. I mean, I think that I put him probably third or fourth, I believe, for in-ring performers when we did the list last year, uh, or my favorite wrestlers to watch in the ring, I should say. Uh, so I'm a huge Seth Rollins mark. And I get trying to build things up, and I get having confidence in your company, and I get kind of in a kayfabe way using Twitter as a way of uh, expressing your character, even though it really goes down to you. So to start this off, like I said, leading in the stopping grounds, Seth Post, best pro wrestling on the planet, period. And he was quoting WWE superstars, look to kick butt and take names at WWE stomping grounds live this Sunday, 7 Eastern, 4 p.m. on WWE Network. So he was just basically broadcasting the, the event itself. Um, and uh, at one point, Will Ospreay, who has, I think, had an incredible year with uh, you know, New Japan, I think starting over at um, – if you look at Wrestle Kingdom, his match with Kota Bushi and just his high performance throughout the Super Juniors and his match with, um, with uh, oh, man, I can't think of his name that just happened at Super Juniors, Toka. Chris, help me out. I'm dying. The final uh, Super Juniors. Uh, uh, damn it. Uh, God, I could have named it. Sakawa. Uh, I fucked that up. Oh, man. We're, it doesn't. We it doesn't. God, we just really just lost rank. <laughs> oh man! We, anyway. we just lost our entire audience. We've been doing this for a while, everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we really. Uh, but no. Um, Shingo Takage. Shingo. Anyways. So yeah. So his match against Shingo Takage. Um, He's just been having brilliant matches. Dragon Lee, obviously, where he won the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship again for, I believe, the third or fourth time. You know, just uh, competitive, just a little uh, shit-talking, if you will. But, like, he didn't say much. He just says, I'm alive. I think that I qualify, if you will. Well, Seth Rollins says, ah, I'm sorry, little guy. We already have a better version of you here. And he just won his first U.S. title tonight. Congrats, Ricochet, who's best friends, by the way, with Will Ospreay. Not making it awkward at all. Keep working hard through, buddy. And um, also, Becky Lynch wanted to let everyone know throughout the course of this. uh, People feuding on Twitter, what's the world coming to? So I guess she was throwing a little flavor in there. Um, While I pick up the uh, second part of this, Chris, initially, the comments – Started off in much more of a minor way, just kind of jabs a little bit. I will say that I don't think it's bad, and we'll, we'll get to the Will Ospreay interview with Edge and Christian and also uh, with the Wrestling Observer. I don't think it's bad to want to represent your brand and, you know, talk, you know, talk up yourself and your brand itself and, and, and be a leader. But uh, I find this funny because Seth probably, arguably, might have had the worst match of the night with Baron Corbin. For fucking stopping ground. Either way, what do you think about it? I mean, it wasn't the worst in-ring match of the night, 
it was the probably the worst booked match of the night. Uh, I I would say, uh, holy shit, why is your champion responding to Will Ospreay, who's not even an American wrestler, has no there's no stake in the American market for Will Ospreay. There's people like you know hardcore fans who listen to the show, me and you, people that watch New Japan, but at the same time. He he is a blip on the two point, you know, five to eight million people that watch Raw every night. So like, if you're going to go out there and pump your brand, that's fine. But there's no sense to get into a Twitter argument with Will Osprey, especially about who is the best in the ring when Will Osprey is wrestling some of the best wrestlers in the entire world and just did it back to back to back to back in Super Juniors and won you know a title which I to me, has more meaning than the uh, Universal title, which I think he actually brings up later in these Twitter posts that you're talking about. So the entire thing is it's fucking weird, forceful, and then with the rest of the WWE news that came out, it seemed like, hey, let's get WWE swirling in the media as much as possible. So I'm not saying it's a work, but it kind of seems like a work. As far as the Ricochet thing, that sucks because, like, for a lot of people, especially if you didn't watch Lucha Underground and you weren't familiar with who, like, uh, you know, Rick, you know, Prince Puma or uh, Evolve or Ricochet in general or New Japan, you wouldn't know who Ricochet was. I mean, the biggest, you know, one of the biggest moments was people freaking out about what Will Ospreay and Ricochet were able to do in the ring. Um, and, and, you know, even some legends like, you know, Big Van Vader, for instance, rest in peace, he hated it. And uh, some of the older guys, like, completely hated it. But to compare those two, just directly correlate you back to New Japan's website to watch <laughs> Will Osprey versus Ricochet. <laughs> so the entire thing was very, very fucking weird and probably super awkward, awkward for uh, Ricochet, I would say. I would say so, uh, too. So this is where uh, the Twitter conversation goes down to the shitter. Uh, um, so Seth Rollins said... Doubling down, best pro wrestling on the planet. This is post stomping grounds. Best pro wrestling on the planet. See the cruiserweight triple threat, and that's just one night, one match amongst the many. Find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do, as often as I do. You can't. That's the thing that prompts Will Ospreay to say, I'm alive. And that's what followed with saying, oh, little guy and all that bullshit. Uh, By the way, throughout, throughout this, you didn't see Seth Rollins go after Chris Jericho, who just literally put a little tiny, whatever, gift smiley face, cry laughing uh, to his first initial uh, thing. And then later on, let Will Ospreay know, or uh, let, let Seth Rollins know that Will Ospreay is taller and I think the same weight as him. So he's actually bigger than Seth Rollins. But still, Chris Jericho's a goat. Maybe that, that happens. This is the douchiest thing, <laughs> is is where it follows with Seth Rollins saying basically just adding on more and more after just Will Ospreay, like I said, saying I'm alive, saying like, you know, the funny thing is Seth Rollins put over the Cruiserweight match, wasn't referring to his match, and then says I'm the best performer night to night, blah, 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 you know, smoke up your ass shit. And he said I'm alive to that. And so then Seth Rollins said what he said and then also went, I mean, you want to talk numbers, we can compare bank accounts. P.S. That's counting a month off with a broken back, buddy. <sighs> Will Ospreay's very, uh, you know, I would say humble response to that 
uh, said, you love adding stuff, don't you? I mean, the original question was, find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do. It is often as I do it. No talk of money, no talk of ricochet. You said anyone. Here I am, just as consistent, just as good. Hope the back heals up. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but I, I think that's awesome. Uh, well, Osprey didn't—he ba- didn't back down, Chris. And uh, I love the stuff from Chris Jericho, kind of trying to humble Seth Rollins a bit. I, I like that Seth Rollins is trying to stick up for his company. But like you said, picking a fight with someone else over in New Japan, you have fans that don't know about New Japan or hear little rumblings that are as detailed fans, I would say, as much as me or you, diehards, if you will. All you're doing is highlighting New Japan, making people go, who's this Will Ospreay? And then they go from there. But either or, why the fuck does Seth Rollins have to bring up who makes more money in all of it? Like, that's, the, that's, that's douchey as hell, is all I have to say. My guess is that he tuned into what the Super Juniors were and saw <laughs> Dragon Lee versus Will Ospreay and was like, "Damn, he is having better matches than me. He's having more matches than me." the uh, The money thing came from the comment on Wrestling Observer. Uh, There's an interview on Wrestling Observer. He's talking to Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer, and the, you know the the concept of who has worked the most matches. Uh, Will Ospreay has worked more matches than Seth Rollins in the past year. So that got brought up on the show, and he's like, I'm posting that right now. So, like, as that show was happening, he posted it, and it was like, I, haven't I worked more matches than you at a higher clip, basically? Also, and then Seth um, was like, what is – If you what, wanted what, to let the then, audience know – if you wanted to let the audience know, he also brought up the value of his title compared to the Universal title on that same uh, podcast. I mean, he's not fucking wrong because WWE – treats their titles like trash for the most part. I, just think about how well, like, we talked about this in the, 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 the past, on the past, on the show we did right before this, we just talked about this. How did Seth Rollins win that title? He low-blowed Brock Lesnar in the nuts and pinned him, and now he's running around hitting everyone with a chair. <laughs> like, Will Ospreay, look, he, he doesn't deserve it. He fucking earned his title. <laughs> Through a tournament in which he had like he was definitely the highlight of uh, the entire time. So I, I, Seth even challenging this guy, knowing Ricochet, knowing people that have worked against Will Ospreay is, is ridiculous. It, it, uh, the entire goddamn thing is ridiculous. Yeah. So if you guys didn't listen to the Observer thing, basically Osprey said, you know, well the the value of my title weighs higher than his Universal belt, which I think definitely set Seth off, but it, I, I think it's true. Uh, if you look at product performance and the people behind it, even when Brock had it, obviously our biggest complaint was he wasn't doing a bunch of matches. And there was, you know, he was taken away from the title in that sense. And now it's like, I mean, it's just kind of there. And we've had feuds with one of the best, I think, in-ring workers in WWE, but it's in nothing matches. Uh, and a lot of them in, include Baron Corbin. So, I, I don't think Will's off, and you know this all kind of correlated to Will Osprey having a long conversation. I would definitely check out the uh, the Edge and Christian pot of awesomeness um, with them interviewing Will Osprey because at the end they brought this whole entire thing up, and Edge started with was like, I think this is good. I think that you know it's 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 talking shit, you know it's talking rank, but if you're confident about your company in, in that you know sense, then I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. 
you know, obviously they kind of the elephant in the room. There's there's better ways of going about it. But Will even said that that's how he that's how he thinks of it. He goes, I would hope that Seth Rollins wouldn't have a problem with me in person. He goes, I I made a comment, you know, and just went from there. And of course, we're both going to use it to try to platform our companies and blah blah blah. And obviously, I think this helped out Will Ospreay more than anything. But Will Ospreay is an incredible wrestler. I mean, he's the next generation, and he's already present in this generation. Very much so, how Rey Mysterio was for his group of wrestlers. You know, he was a kid. When he started, he's like what twenty, twenty five, twenty six, maybe. Like that's extremely twenty six years old, and uh, that's ridiculous. I, it was. It wasn't a comment by a fan. It wasn't a comment by either wrestler, but a fan pointed out he was like at twenty six years old. Seth Rollins, aka Tyler Black, was wrestling at FCW for eighty fans. Well, Osprey is wrestling in a sold out goddamn Tokyo Dome yeah. <laughs> against people like Okada. NATO is actually we're junior. So if you're doing a career comparison, like, I mean, I'm sure WWE would have no problem signing Will Ospreay if he wanted to go there. Uh, I thought that was a really, really funny and well-educated tweet. He's like, if you're comparing careers, you're working ring of honor, doing like a, you know, a thousand at the gate, maybe 800, depending on the venue versus what Will Ospreay is doing in G1. And just because you're not in the same country, or G1 Super Juniors, just because you're not in the same country doesn't mean there's not a direct comparison of careers versus age kind of thing. Absolutely. I would completely agree with that. But, I mean, obviously Ring of Honor contributed a bunch of wrestlers themselves towards WWE, but how many stars from New Japan has has produced stars basically that become big in WWE or, or are going to become big in AEW in the future. You know, I think that's one thing that a lot of uh, fans kind of forget. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And I mean, like it wasn't, you know, PWI last year released best wrestlers and Seth Rollins was not number one or number two. I think he may have, I would have to look, but I think he may have even been below Will Ospreay. And if, you know, if you're looking at it, just I watch all of this. Like, are you really going to put him on the same level as a Kenny Omega or Kazuchika Okada? I get what he's saying, but like, if you're talking about someone that, I mean, I would even say Tanahashi. Like, if you're talking about someone that does it night in, like, and we haven't even got to G1 yet, where these guys are going to wrestle like I have ten dates almost in a row every match. Like, Will Ospreay's. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I thought it was, you know. Seth pumping the brand, I'm completely fine with. For him to say that he thinks that's the best wrestling, I'm completely okay with. But it also coincides with the SI Illustrated article, the acquisition of both Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff. Um, It seems like a gimmick (laughs) to me, like that someone is pulling the strings. Because... Like, he may think that he's actually better than Will Ospreay, but, you know, if you really look at Tanahashi, how much shit has Seth Rollins just stolen from what Tanahashi does? He does the sling blade. He does the high spots. You're you're talking to maybe the fifth best – to me, the, the fifth or sixth best wrestler in New Japan and comparing yourself to him. And Okada is just kind of sitting in the wing. He's like, I'm not getting involved with the shit. <laughs> so I think to me, 
I, I was just, what are you going to say? To me, it just seems – I was just going to say, to me, it seems ridiculous because, like, you weren't voted the best – if he was voted the best wrestler in the entire world by people that observed the shit, and people openly talked about him as the best wrestler in the entire world, if he was Ric Flair in 1985, 1986, then maybe you could see his point while, while having this Twitter battle. But he fucking just came off a match wrestling Baron Corbin in which the fans absolutely buried until his girlfriend came out. And then he posts this on Twitter. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I love, I should say this. I do love Seth Rollins, but this shit did, like, make Sorry. me not like him as much and really analyze what he does in the ring and, and how good he actually is in comparison to, like, to me, he's kind of a bootleg American Tanahashi and not as good. <laughs> so there's that. Well, very, very, very different uh I would say style gimmick, obviously, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is Rollins definitely takes aspects from a lot of different wrestlers as far as being influenced by, I've I've heard him talk at length about, you know, there's two of them I'm going that are standouts that remind me of a breakdown of Seth Rollins personality, or at least his, what, what seems like his cockiness. And I'm assuming his relationship even with Vince to an extent, but you know, he's a big macho man, Randy Savage fan. He's a big sting fan. Big Eddie Guerrero fan. You know, I definitely think that the Tanihashi influence, I could see that uh, with the Sling Blade. But then again, Finn Balor uses that. I'm sure that a lot of people cherry-picked certain maneuvers from lots of people. But two of his favorite wrestlers, one of them is kind of his, you know, uh, his, uh, not teacher, but like has helped him out through a lot are Shawn Michaels and Triple H. And this type of attitude Kind of reminds me of how, you know, in the late 90s, <laughs> how Sean and Hunter were. This very much, their cockiness. The who, who fucking gives a shit about, you know, this guy over, like, Seth, personality-wise. They, so, basically what you're saying Hunter, is, so basically what you're saying is whenever you're not the best wrestler on the roster, you have to make sure to tell everyone you're the best wrestler on the roster because right now – Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn are way fucking better than him, and that's not including well, that's, Gargano that's, and the NXT crowd. I, well, that's the thing is, is you know, Will Ospreay kind of even said that was he's not AJ or Okada, so I don't know what the what the hell he's trying to say if he's trying to say he's the greatest. You know, like to, to him, those are the two best performers on the planet, Okada over AJ. And honestly, if you watch Will Ospreay's style, he borrows a lot from both those guys, and he, he admits it. Those are two of his. You know, that's his mentor is Okada, and that's one of his favorite wrestlers. I love Sean and, H- and, and, and Triple H, and Triple H, one of the greatest heels of all time, great methodical-styled wrestler. HBK, one of the greatest in-ring performers, but their egos got the better of them and turned them into assholes, and it was a way for them to take advantage of Vince in a way because they were – they could step to that level. The only problem is what they all have in common is, well, at least when you talk about Sean being the head of the company and Seth being the head of the company, they haven't equated with when it comes to box office. They're not, they're not getting people in the seats. I, I lo- and I've said this in the past. Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time, and Seth is one of my favorite modern wrestlers. But at the same time, they have that similarity to him. And the fact that Hunter is such an influence to him as a mentor figure, Hunter was very much the same way and would be like that in the late 90s, 2000s. Um, and also back then when he was kind of pushing himself in that position before he got with Stephanie. So you got those two as idols. You know those guys love uh, Roman and Seth. 
Roman, I think, is different. I think I've said this. I might have said this on the last broadcast. He kind of has, I think, a relationship with Vince and a respect level that he had with Taker. And that's how the guys in the back view him. I wouldn't be surprised if Seth is not very much loved by some of the smaller guys, I'm assuming, in the back. Maybe he has that like Sean does, or at least he has that influence over Vince, is what I would say, of, of that cockiness and bravado. But it's not – would you agree with me? It doesn't cater towards anything, very much like Sean, because they're top guys, but they're not driving people in the seats. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. If if everything was going so smoothly and he was the absolute greatest in the entire world, then fans wouldn't be looking for a different outlet, and WWE wouldn't be trying to sign Kenny Omega before he opened up AEW. Like, if he was the absolute best in the world at everything that he did, he should be your Stone Cold or your, your The Rock or your John Cena. He's not. And I like Seth Rollins. I think he's a great in-ring performer. I think he's a pretty good promo when they let him be him. (laughs) But, like, opening up the conversation of who the best wrestler is when you're the champion of your company in the face and you're also dating the other biggest star in the company is just not a good look. I don't even think he's the best world champion. I think Kofi's a better in-ring wrestler, more fun. I like Kofi better than I like Seth. And I Seth might appeal to me I, I don't, more on a certain level because of the nostalgia factor because he does have a lot of stuff that I, I see that reminds me of Sean in the ring. But I think if I'm looking at it, taking it past that, I think Kofi's a better champion. I think Kofi's just all around is, a, is, is better than Seth. Kofi's been bigger uh, or book stronger. I think that uh, Seth in ring and both promo-wise is better, but if you're booking shit, you're booking shit. Um. I love Kofi, so this is not any deterrent to Kofi at all. I, what I will say about Kofi is he's more consistent. He Maybe that's go out and have a decent, a decent match with anyone, but like the very high, like if you go back and watch Tyler Black in Ring of Honor, for instance, he's fucking really good. I don't know if he's ten days in a row Will Ospreay good, but he's really good. He's not wrong by saying he should have said one of the best. And then I don't think that yeah. anything would have happened from it. Because to say you're the absolute best when Okada's won the PWI number one wrestler in the world two times in a row and his student is following you on Twitter, you're going to get some backlash. And, and it's not like Osprey buried him or anything. Osprey was just like, he's, no. he's a really good wrestler. He's a really good worker. He didn't say anything negative about him at all. All he did was say, I'm alive. And then next thing you know, you, do, you, you go to the, the biggest douche move ever, which is like, why don't we compare bank accounts? Yeah. I, I, I kind of want them to compare bank accounts after these T-shirt sales of Little Man because oh, I've, ordered yeah. both, I've ordered one in both black and white. So <laughs> That's awesome. And if you don't know um, what he's talking I mean, about, so Will Ospreay basically made uh, T-shirts. That said, little man, and I forgot what the bottom of it said, but like just it said, uh, just never owning, weight owning champion, the- IWGP junior heavyweight champion, tag team. It had all of his accolades from New Japan on the shirt, basically. Yep, and he'll make a shit ton of money off of it, and that's awesome. What were you gonna say? I would, I, I would even if you want to compare it to something in uh, something non wrestling related, you know, 50, like there's a guy that owed Fifty Cent a million dollars. And 50 Cent came after him on, like, Twitter, and the guy said, I'm sorry, Fofty. And he made a T-shirt out of it, and he made $400,000. Yeah. 
off the t-shirt alone. So hopefully Will Ospreay is seeing that kind of return from, from diehard wrestling fans. Oh, he'll be fine. I just, uh, I don't know. Seth, like I said, Seth, Seth in a mindset. He's in a company. I hope that he is uh, part of, of, of big things. Um, I love Will Ospreay. I love his, you know, for, especially for his age, to kind of like try to stick up to someone like Seth Rollins and just say, fuck it, I don't really care. And not take it seriously in real life. And then maybe Seth isn't taking it seriously either. But I appreciate guys like Kazuchika Okada and even like a Roman Reigns where I don't think that they would get themselves involved in shit like this. And their companies, both respectively, hold themselves up on their shoulders to some extent. I don't think there's anything that Will did that was wrong, but I'm just saying – they wouldn't even – even if fucking someone called them out, maybe a little bit back and forth, but certain wrestlers, I guess it's just not their MO to try to take it to a different level like Seth is online on Twitter. Yeah. I, I, I think part of it – I think part of it, especially after that Sports Illustrated gimmick, is he was told to go poke a bear more than anything else. Get the name out there. Let's get the brand going. I, I, I don't necessarily think he feels this way, and him and Will Ospreay may be laughing about it. Um, all the way to the bank for both of them, because if anything, it helps Will Ospreay. And I, while it kind of hurts Seth oh, Rollins, yeah. it's not like Will is a huge American deal here in the States. You know, it's not like he didn't challenge Kenny Omega or <laughs> Cody Rhodes or, you know, like someone that he should actually be worried about. He challenged someone from Japan. Um, so maybe the entire thing is, is a fucking work and we're all getting work, which would be brilliant. It's a work, man. Um, by both guys but just the way like i don't know the way seth came off it seemed very genuine and and maybe he does think that he's one of the best wrestlers but like i said i i don't even think he's the best wrestler in that company (laughs) and i don't mean that in a bad way like i i seth is a fucking great wrestler he's definitely in the top 10 of that company but he's not even the best wrestler in that fucking company. And I've been watching yeah. him since, like, 2005. So I don't know what he thought. Like, he's not even on the same goddamn stage as Okada. Like, oh, yeah. if you're talking about number one and number two, like, you're not even close. You're talking about day in, day out. He had an 800-day reign as the New Japan champion. <laughs> Why yep. are you even having this conversation? He had a match that broke the five-star rating for Dave Meltzer against another guy that I think you could put two or three on the goddamn scale. So the entire thing is fucking ridiculous to me. Well, and not only that, you know, you compare it to his Ring of Honor days and stuff like that. He knows his level of performance is held back by the style that WWE forces him to cater towards. So I don't even understand. When you know that a company like New Japan – literally lets them take off the reins and go fucking full speed and worry about match more so than anything else. You know, I don't even understand. I, I, like I said, I get being confident about yourself and being confident about your company, but being realistic, especially when you didn't even put on the fucking best match of that night, honestly, probably one of the worst matches and had to put over the cruiserweight match in order to get yourself over when responding to it. So, again, I love Seth Rollins. You're you're 100% right. He did not put on the best match of that night. He doesn't have the best program. But I think he would point that and say, like, well, I just was booked into a bad situation. And I would be fine with him doing that. But the problem is, the very next day, he did a Sports Illustrated interview where he said, 
John Moxley took his ball and went home because he well, didn't yeah, like the so, creative process. Yeah, and let's 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 get into that. <clears throat> so, yeah, basically, like you said, Seth Rollins right after that went to Sports Illustrated and was asked about the Chris Jericho podcast with John Moxley. And this is the first quote. There's two sets of quotes, so we'll go over the first one. Ambrose can do what he wants. He's a big boy. I guess, hold on, let me, let me add a little bit of rest to it. Ambrose can do what he wants. He's a big boy. He got his big boy pants on. He can go out there and say whatever he wants, but the bottom line is not everybody's equipped to handle the rigors of WWE and the schedule and how it affects you mentally and emotionally. And Ambrose gave everything he had to the company for the entire time he was there. He put his heart and soul into travel, into the schedule, into the injuries, into the day in the ring, and all that stuff. But by the end of the day, he took his ball and went home. Or he went elsewhere, at least. And I think it's a little presumptuous of him to get on a podcast and talk down about the company that gave him such an opportunity. A part of this, there's got to be hurt. There's got to be hurt of Dean leaving uh, Seth even or Dean even made that sound like that. Like Seth Roman was like, "Do what you gotta do, man. Get out of here." And and Seth was kind of like put off by it, uh, just by the conversations. But you know, I hate it when I hear that term. It it, it goes back to the Rock saying it about Stone Cold, which is Vince's words going through the Rock or whatever. Uh, just certain times is brought up. It's just like a bullshit dick bag statement to make. He, you know, he took his ball and went home. Um, well, with Austin, he did take his. I mean, with Austin, he did take his ball and go home. And if I think if he would have known that Brock Lesnar was going to be the huge fucking star he turned into, he probably would have just had the match. In all honesty. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I mean, just seeing that statement alone means that that's a WWE thing. They. To me, they coached Seth Rollins to go do this interview and say these very specific things. I doubt he has any real heat with uh, John Moxley. And to top it off, at the end of the day, they did all this. They promoted John Moxley even more, and he has a match against Joey Janela tonight that I guarantee you is going to be better than Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin at that last stomping grounds pay-per-view. Or the tag match coming up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, here's the second half uh, of what he said. And like I said, I love the guy. I love him. I'm always, I'll always love him, but at the end of the day, we just share different perspectives about what we want out of life and about where we're at in our own lives. I hope that he does well. I've kept enough tabs on him uh, to know that he's doing super well for himself right now, and I'm happy for that. But I just don't think there's any reason to hop on a soapbox and complain after the fact. You need to take the first step, and that's looking in the mirror and asking yourself, did you do every single thing you possibly could to make yourself and your situation what you want it to be? And if the answer is yes, you did, then you can go elsewhere and complain. If that's where he's at mentally, then go right ahead. But if he hasn't done that, he hasn't looked in the mirror and made that decision, then maybe he should think about that. That goes for any other disgruntled talent, past or present, in WWE. What do you think about that statement? I think it's very pointed at the roster. I think it's very Vince McMahon. I think Seth is getting paid a lot of money to be who he is right now. 
Um, I think he's making a lot of statements that are very untrue. And, and as we saw, there's a lot of coincidences that happened this week, and they just happened to come from who they think is their top guy, which is Seth Rollins, um, plus the Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff stuff. Like, to me, it just it screams like, how do we get a reaction, first and foremost? And I think they did that. And someone had to respond to what John Moxley said, and that entire interview just came off as, this is what Vince wants you to say about this guy. The problem is, is we have less than four hours until AEW's next pay-per-view, which is free on BR Live. I'm pretty sure it's going to shut down that site completely. If they had a hundred million, or if they had a yeah, no, a hundred thousand buys on pay-per-view, imagine what their free shit is going to do. Like right now, John Moxley is the hottest thing in wrestling. He really is. Like he totally is. If anything, you can look at like WWE has touts their Twitter numbers and their YouTube views. Though he's posted one tweet and one video of his introduction of breaking out of a jail. Uh, done by Sick, Sick Nick Mondo, by the way, CZW. Uh, <laughs> and that had like 3 million views. <laughs> That's not including all the YouTube views after the fact. Like, I I don't get what is the point of talking about these people that aren't in your federation instead of just trying to get good. It, it harkens back to what Eric Bischoff used to do in WCW that would drive everyone crazy. Even me, as like an 8 or 9 year old watching this fucking product, he's like, well, this is what happened on WWF. You shouldn't even talk about the other product. You should be better than it. You don't see a DC movie where they're like, well, I heard that Iron Man's a real pansy. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't do that because it's just promoting the other product. So that shit in general just drives me fucking up the wall. Like, what Seth should have said is, like, I'm one of the best in the world, I work really hard, and I think the people in WWE, in general, are the best wrestlers in the world. In which they should be, because Vince signed 90% of the fucking talent in the world. So, I don't know, this whole fucking thing just pisses me off a little bit about Seth and the fact that he's yes-manning it. And to me, he is a very transitional champion. You could look at it by the ratings. You could look at it by the quality of his matches, some of his booking. Some of it is the fact that they fucked him up when he came back initially after his knee injury. Instead of putting him over his face, they put him over his heel. There's a lot of stuff you could point, like mistakes that could have helped his character that he went along with, which just further proves what Moxley was saying. Like, you come back from knee injury, the entire crowd pops for you. You're about to win the title from Brock Lesnar. Why do you not make him a babyface immediately instead of dragging it out and having him have a match with Finn Balor and then doing the corporate bullshit that they always fall back to when they're trying to make a babyface? Like, the fact that he thinks that everything in WWE is fine is fucking baffling to me because they fucked up his own booking. They could have made him a huge superstar. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I, yeah. I don't have any answers for you here on this one. Oh, I don't expect you to, and that that's how you know it's bullshit, just because there's no way he believes it. I mean, maybe to an extent he just hopes better for the future, and maybe we're going to get that. You know, listen to our first show that we did today that kind of goes over that type of concept. But either way, Seth Rollins is trying to stick up for his brand. I get that. And I'm sure that fans themselves are getting more worked up than the actual wrestlers. 
But that's how it is because it's so not cutthroat. There is real competition. And uh, within that, obviously, this is a company called AEW. And one of the big things, and we kind of talked about it in the last episode previously, is the fact that AEW is coming Wednesday nights uh, to TNT. Now, this hasn't been, I don't think, 100% confirmed, but most likely it's going to happen. They definitely got at least the rights uh, for Wednesday Night Dynamite. And apparently it's going to start October 2nd and go from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., two-hour show, a little bit later. I think they're going to cater towards more of an adult audience, obviously, with their time period and what they've said, actually, in the past. But, you know, we got Fighter Fests happening. We'll be going over that, obviously, that pay-per-view. But um, this is a big, big announcement, Chris. Uh, are you excited about the Wednesday Night Dynamite starting October 2nd at 9 p.m. going to 11 p.m.? I am. I am uh, optimistically uh, excited the same way as I am about Eric and Paul taking over because now you're going to have to do a two-hour live show every week in different states. You're not going to be able to book your perfect dream card a month apart. You're going to have to do week-to-week -week wrestling. So that in itself excites me and makes me wonder how they're going to handle it. I think they have a lot of really good minds there. Um, just looking at the card that we're going to talk about with Fighter Fest, there's already I, I see problems with here's a bunch of multi-man matches, which I don't want to see as a wrestling band. I either want to see a tag match or a singles match. And if you look at New Japan's success and how good they've been, you know, they do these multi-men matches, but they never mean anything. They're just there to fill time. And that's kind of what they're doing in AEW, and I'm not necessarily a fan of that. I, I definitely don't want to see it on TV. But as far as the actual product itself and what's going on on Wednesday, it's going to be a huge fucking deal. And WWE is right to be worried. And I, I like, like we talked about on, on the previous podcast before this one, uh, before me and you went all Brett and Sean Iron Man match style in overtime, <laughs> I would say uh, I would say there you know there's problems there obviously, um, and they're going against some heavy competition, man. They're going to be sandwiched between Raw and SmackDown. They're doing a live show. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond. In all honesty, and I still think they need one big name. And I don't know what that big name is, but I feel like they need one big name. It's not like John Moxley obviously was massive, but if they could get just one other guy, then maybe you actually have a battle on your hands more so than what Vince is currently thinking. Look in my eyes. What do you say? Anyways, um, so they're going to get yeah. Johnny Impact, friend of the show, Johnny Wrestling. <laughs> he would be a big get, I think. I think what he's doing in Impact is big. One day we're going to do like a mini draft, Chris, where we'll talk about the top two talents of all the other major companies that would do the best in either WWE or AEW. I think that would be kind of fun to break down because there's certain guys, no offense to Impact, no offense to Ring of Honor, no offense to MLW or any of the other smaller organizations – Maybe we'll use New Japan, AEW, or WWE. I don't know. It'll be fun to do in the future because John, John Morrison's definitely someone that would fucking – would be awesome to have as a part of AEW. I would mark the fuck out for that. He's uh, one of my favorite guys over there. But uh, let's not talk about John Morrison. This kind of still keeps on 
Still keeps in the news, what the second part of this news uh, item, with AEW, but it's not AEW. Actually, this is the uh, WWN Evolve Wrestling, Evolve 131, the 10th year anniversary of Evolve. Uh, WWE, uh, Triple H made an announcement that they will be airing it on the network July 13th, Saturday, 8 p.m., uh, over in Philly. And I think, I want to say that the arena, the uh, I think that is like the new ECW arena. I could be wrong about that. But the matches that they've announced already are actually bringing past Evolve superstars that are now doing stuff over in WWE over to this thing. Uh, we have the um, the rematch of the last time Matt Riddle won, but the WWE Cruiserweight Champion Drew Gulak going against Matt Riddle. They had a fucking awesome technical match last time. It's going to be great to see both of them. They all they both became stars because of Evolve. I definitely say Matt Riddle more than uh, Drew Gulak, but you know I didn't know Drew in Evolve. I'm sure he was a yeah. contender. Oh. Uh, Real quick about Drew, he's going to be super over in Philly because he started around the CZW scene. So I think that is yes. the perfect. If you're going to throw like WWE matches into an Evolve card in Philly, that is a uh, a banger to start out with. So props on them for booking that match in general. Uh, and I'm going to give mad props to Gabe Sapolsky because I'm sure he's the one who came up with that particular idea. Exactly. Um, hold on one second, guys. I'm trying to pull something up. My my page just, just was was screwed up. Oh, yeah, that was the other big match from, from WWE. Adam Cole, the NXT champion, is going against Kira Tozawa. Uh, both Cole and Tozawa had presence in uh, Evolve in the past. And you have the NXT champion now performing at this. And then we have uh, the future is now showcase match with Josh Biggs and Anthony Green. I've heard a lot of good things about Anthony Green. Don't know much about Josh Briggs. But those are the matches announced. Obviously, there is going – on their website, it said uh, Evolve Champ. Uh, plus more to be announced next week. Finding out a match for Evolve champion Austin Theory, who me and Chris are high as fuck on, if that makes sense. Um <laughs> Uh, WWN champion J.D. Drake, uh, Evolve Tag Team champions Eddie Kingston and Joe Gacy, uh, NXT superstar Arturos uh, Ruiz, NXT uh, superstar Babatonde, yeah, Babatonde, Anthony uh, Anthony Henry, A.R. Fox, uh, Leon Ruff, Kurt Stallion, Brandy Lauren, Stozy Blackheart, Stephen Wolf, Shalin Mulap. Mulata, Harlem Bravado, Colby Carino. I don't know most of those names. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, after Eddie Kingston, I was kind of like, uh, okay, I'll try. Even the NXT superstars, these are both either renames, and I might know them, or these are, you know, some guys that are coming up in that. Either way, you know, they're all evolved superstars or have been past evolved superstars. Pretty cool concept. We'll go into the negative thing next. How do you feel about the 10-year anniversary Evolve show? I think it's going to be a great show. Uh, there's a lot of good names on there. And obviously, uh, right off the bat, Joe Gacy and uh, Austin Theory are both booked. Uh, they both cut promos on their opponents on Twitter. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know exactly who they're facing. But they're on the show. You're going to have tag champions on the show. I think Austin Theory is the next WWE superstar. He's got the look that Vince likes. He's fucking pretty goddamn good in the ring. I think he can get a little better. 
his only lacking point is the mic skills. And the fact that WWE is putting this on their network is a huge deal for both Gabe Sapolsky and Evolve and, and that entire community. Um, really high hey, to AR he, kinda, he reminds me of some guy from Gainesville for some reason. Because <laughs> he's from McDonough, Georgia? <laughs> Shit, boy. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I will say this, AR Fox, uh, a lot of the talent there did come through Atlanta based on that card. AR Fox is a trainer here in Atlanta. He's, he's a great wrestler. I'm looking forward to seeing fucking AR Fox on the card. Uh, outside of the fact that we're about to talk about some really negative news with it and Kenny Omega's dagger that he immediately <laughs> deleted, I'm assuming is where we're going. Uh, I think that it's really, really cool, and I'm looking forward to watching it. And I, I'm going to watch both of these events more than likely. But uh, the biggest thing out of the Evolve stuff is I don't know how WWE watches an Austin Theory match and doesn't go, this guy is fucking incredible. So hopefully he ends up on NXT or SmackDown or Raw. So, oh, see. man. Could, I I feel like AJ would just take him under his wing and be like, come here, Birdie, come here, and just pat his head and be like, and just like well, they show can him all, the they can, they can They can ride together, you know. They they both live here in the great state of Georgia, even though hey, man, uh, only Fox? one of them is from my – only one of them is from my hometown, Gainesville, Georgia. Gainesville, Georgia. <laughs> Fucking AJ Styles, man. I don't even say the F word, but fuck it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. And just both uh, from Southern Honor Wrestling, great promotion, AR Fox and Austin Theory. That's uh, where I've seen them uh, perform both. Uh, so I'm glad that that's, uh, they're going to be a part of it. Uh, so, you know, I said July 13th uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. Huh. The uh, the home <laughs> of a company of AEW, uh, they they have their show actually uh, called Fight for the Fallen. It is their benefit show, and the proceeds part of the proceeds will uh, be donated to the victims of gun violence within Florida. And they've got three matches so far for the card. Kind of coincidental. So far, just announced Brandy Rhodes against Ali singles match. Kenny Omega versus Sima, which is going to be fucking awesome. And Cody and Dustin of Obviously, uh, probably the biggest match uh, because of what happened at their last pay-per-view. Cody and Dustin Rhodes versus the Young Bucks, the Jackson Brothers, Matt and Nick, uh, in a tag team match. All right, so uh, this uh, once once WWE announced, hey, we're airing this on the network. We're, you know, they've been working with Evolve for a while, but this is, I think, the second thing that they've done Evolve uh, related, and this is a huge pay-per-view. Unlike I, they did some other promotion with them, it was a crossover thing. Um, where it's it's evolves big events on this day, and uh, Kenny was not happy with the fact that they were going to be doing an event during the day that they're doing an event uh, to help you know uh, promote uh, help for a fundraiser, if you will, for gun violence. So this is what he had to say. Uh, Chris, uh, should I do this in a look, Kenny? Before you do this, let's preface this a little bit. This is after the Osprey comments and Seth Rollins saying that he's the best in the world, basically. And not gimmick best in the world, but better than Kenny Omega. And probably Kenny Omega looking at both of Seth Rollins' last matches against Baron Corbin at both stomping grounds. And uh, the world's greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia, which is not a Royal Rumble anymore. But uh, they they were just pouring gasoline on this guy that is normally very mild-mannered and, and doesn't go after people. So I, I would say uh, Kenny Omega did throw a dagger 
what you're about to read. So if you haven't heard this, hey, it's fucking amazing. So, uh, but should I do this? Uh, should I do this like Kenny Omega during promo mode, or just read it as it is? I, you know what? Honestly, just read it as it is because the way it's stated is not only a, a state of the wrestling business and what WWE does, but it, it is almost political in a sense. And I think you know you're fine just reading it normal. But if you want to do do both takes, how about that? Do it one way and then do the Kenny Omega way, just for the audience. They'll enjoy it. All right, for the, for, for the seriousness <laughs> level of of what we're talking about. Since he's going to talk about blood money, he's obviously talking about Saudi Arabia and that whole deal. Um, I'll do it normal, and then I'll do it as the uh, Kenny. I'll do the follow up actually as Kenny Omega after he's leave the tweet. <laughs> so it's not in bad taste. But uh, he said, if lining your pockets with blood money is okay, then what's wrong with trying to undermine a charity show for victims of gun violence? Omega. Oh, and then I hear that healthy competition is supposed to be a good thing, and yet I can't help but feel like I'm going to be sick. And then Kenny would uh, delete that tweet and say the following. Oh, God. I've said my piece, and it's opened the door to a very toxic environment. I wasn't a message to fans or the boys, just as decision makers. I wish everyone in wrestling on any show that day all the best. That is all. So, uh, Chris, um, <laughs> Kenny's uh, pretty pretty serious about this. He's been with Brandy as, as a, a person to put together this show. It's a big deal to him with the whole gun violence thing. I hate to undermine him with this whole entire viewpoint, but I don't think it necessarily is going to matter. Yeah, obviously it's, it, it's definitely a jab. It's, it's not coincidental. The show started at the exact same time. But the wrestling fans are going to watch these two shows. They're going to watch Evolve's 10th anniversary, and it's on the network, and you have this show at the same time. You're probably going to watch the AEW show first, I would assume, because most of us are idiots. And we're like, I can't figure out how to go back and replay it. So we know that. <laughs> I'm assuming – this is the way I think. I'm assuming I'm going to go on the network and say I'll watch the Evolve thing after I watch the AEW thing, and that's the best. Your, your, your money that's going towards – victims are from your attendance and that you know is, is going to be in itself so it's not like even though it's a jab i don't think it's indirectly going to undermine their charity event and going to uh the event of double or nothing which is not people that really still think that the uk event that's not even at the same time it's going to be done before because at the uk different time zone uh, is a shot against Double or Nothing, which is going to fucking throuse it when it comes to views. Um, I don't think there's as many conspiracy theories. Obviously, this one is kind of a shot, but I think Kenny's just being a little bit too passionate, maybe, about it, because I don't think it would be taken away from their fucking bottom line of trying to help out with, uh, you know, attendance. I, I agree with you, and I think what happened is Kenny got emotional about all of the Seth stuff coming out and everyone talking about who is the best in the absolute world and talking about bank accounts and all that bullshit. Plus they just did that show in Saudi Arabia, which he's passionate about not going to. So is Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan, a bunch of other people. He's not the only person that would not want to necessarily wrestle for a prince in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and I'm not going to get into the political reasons of why, but I think it was a combination of things. He posted a tweet. And then he deleted it. But 
you never really delete a tweet when you're Kenny Omega. <laughs> it's one of those things. Or when you're, you know, any celebrity at this point. Um, I'll say this. If I was WWE and I saw that tweet, what I would do is match the gate. You're talking about a $6 billion company. Maybe that gate's $100,000, $200,000. They're going to probably draw 6,000 fans in at 30 bucks a piece or whatever and do the math. WWE should offer to donate to whatever charity that they're doing because the Evolve show was already set up before they announced to do it on the network. I do think there was a little bit of like fuck AEW in there, but as a company to make yourself look good, you should at least be like, well, we'll donate whatever you guys are donating of the door to that, to, to whatever benefit you are. And I think that would make WWE come out in a little bit of a better light uh, than what they currently are. Because the way you look at it now, they're like, fuck AEW. And also, I guess, you know, fuck people that get shot. (laughs) Because that's kind of how it came off with the way those shows got posted. Yeah, it really did. Um, But it's just uh, the the war is already starting, man. The winter, winter is coming. And and people have, have chosen their sides, and uh, it's, I, it's pretty I, nuts. I will say if the war is coming and your response is to put a tweet out there and then delete it, you're not going to win the war against Vince McMahon. If no, Ted man, Turner gotta... could win the war against Vince McMahon, then <laughs> put your big boy pants on because Vince is going to do everything in his ability to bury – AEW every chance he has, whether it's just posting something with Evolve or NXT during the same night that AEW is running a pay-per-view on Saturday, he's going to do that shit. I think as a as far as like what I would do as a company in a business is I would have matched whatever their tour was for this charity because I doubt all of this money is going to the charity. It's probably a percentage. And if Vince would have came out or Stephanie would have came out and be like hey, sorry, we booked an arena at the same time. We'll match the gate for this charity. One, it makes WWE look good. It makes them look competitive. It also makes them look like they're not trying to be dicks. But instead, what they did was like, hey, fuck WWE Network 999, <laughs> which is dumb yep. in a business sense. <laughs> I agree. Especially, I don't see them doing especially, especially, what you suggested, but – I mean, especially for a company that's already got shit going on in Saudi Arabia that people are already shady about investment-wise, when you talk about, like, WWE's investors because it's publicly traded, why would you not just match this? You're, you're I think it's like $6.4 or $6.5 billion company. Just match whatever AEW is doing at this gate and take the loss on the money. I mean, you just re-signed Jinder Mahal to a five-year contract. I'm sure that equates to the same amount of money you would lose <laughs> on this gate. But <laughs> being <laughs> being that you're in this war, you don't want to look like the bad guys. But they are coming off as the bad guys. And Kenny Omega did delete the tweet. And I don't think he should have. I think he should have left it out there for people to think about. Because in all honesty, he did bring up a good point. <laughs> like you guys are doing this to try to bury us. We get it. But the best way AEW can respond is putting on a better show than the Evolve show, which 
at this point, if you're telling me that Kenny Omega is slightly pissed off and going to go out and have a match against someone, there's a high chance that might be a five-star match. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens, I guess. Yep, we sure will. And uh, something that we will uh, see very soon in about, well, three hours for the pre-show, four hours for the main show, 7.30 p.m. tonight, Saturday, June 29th, the wonderful day of today, obviously. 8.30, like I said, location, Daytona Beach. I really should have just gone and visited my parents and tried to go on to this. I don't know why I didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, you should have both went to this. Double fail on our parts. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. Because my tickets are still condo. not sold out. Oh, don't tell me that. God, yes. really bad timing. They'll be back in Daytona, though. That's what that means. Um, anyways, if you guys want to watch this, definitely go to Bleacher Report. Download the app on your Roku, on your Xbox, whatever you can do. Sign up because the server is going to be out of control tonight. Just get everything ready so you can watch this show tonight. At uh, it, like I said, the pre-show is 7:30 p.m. EST, and the main show is 8:30 p.m. EST. I am excited to talk about this card, Chris. Uh, going into it, there's only one match I don't really give a shit about, but we'll get to that uh, during the buy-in at 7:30. There's going to be two matches, uh, one of them being SCU, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian uh, going against the Best Friends and Private Party, which I'm really excited after hearing about. You know, private party is seeing them in this match. Uh, yeah, it is a three-way tag, but you know, I the way that they they at least do it, uh, or at least when when SCU is a part of a match, they're usually able to coordinate really well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I kind of see private party winning. They got a lot of buzz, um, and I could definitely see them winning this whole thing. I don't. Oh no, the winners. Um, Get a first round. Oh, okay. So they they get a first round buyout in the World Tag Team Championship tournament that will start uh, when their show starts at Wednesday night Dynamite. Um, so that's pretty awesome. Chris, who do you have, and what do you think about this match with SCU Best Friends and Private Party? If if I'm booking it personally, I pick SCU to win because they're heels, and having the first round buy in a tournament is a very heel move, in my opinion. You're wrestling one less match than everyone else. Um, and I think they're, you know, I, I honestly think they're probably going to be the first tag team champions of AEW in general, simply because they're not going to go to Dustin and Cody. And the Young Bucks have, like, already said that they don't want to be the first tag champions because people will get weird feelings about that. So uh, I would say probably SEU is probably going to win and then cheat their way through the tournament and then win the titles. All right, then we have the match I was referring to, Michael Nakazawa versus Alex Jabaley in a hardcore match uh, during the pre-show. Um, it's not so much Michael Nakazawa. I can get over the whole oiling your body thing. I'm sure that he's a I'm, – I'm, I'm happy to find out he's an efficient wrestler. I just don't think I'll find it with this because this is actually, uh, I'm pretty sure, the uh, guy who's like head of organizing it or the head of the arena itself – He's yeah, he, he is that. the uh, Alex Alex Bailey is well known in the fighting game community. He's 
fighter they're doing this is fighter fest but it's also related to a video game competition so fighting games that's right there's a convention going on alex jabaley is one of the announcers and a big part of all of that competition so this is just a fun match for the fans that are there in the building and uh it could be better than expected alex jabaley does know how to wrestle a little bit because he does like wrestling um i've seen him like do bumps and stuff with with Jaya Bomb, Dan Reichert, and those guys when they do their wrestling uh, fucking podcast, they do a they do a whole goddamn uh, pack. Uh, pack packs the East. They do like uh, a whole wrestling thing that's mostly centered around video games. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think it'll be probably very simple, but it, it, this is not there to be like this is what AEW is going to be. This is there for the fans that are in the building already going to a convention that may not be wrestling fans, which I think could be smart because if you can get fans that aren't wrestling fans into wrestling, then that's always a good thing. Sure. Um, I believe you. I just, uh, I get it. I get the concept. We'll, we'll see it, but I'm glad it is on the pre-show. Um, either way, let's start off the actual main show. We have Nyla I mean, Rose this going entire, like, this, this entire pay-per-view is free. So there's, there's limited reason to get pissed off about the card. <laughs> My problem harpens back to the beginning stages of this company having matches showing towards wrestling fans that are trying to find something different that don't that are a part of a, a more bigger majority that are sick of WWE, don't know anything about AEW. They tune into the pre-show because that's when I know it's you know starts, and they see some random guy that organizes a video game thing and a match against a guy that puts body oil all over himself in order to get out of maneuvers. That's what I'm kind of coming from. But it's a, it's a hardcore match. They're going to be hitting shit with each other, which people will get into because people love when people hit people with other shit. That's a good point. That's a good point. Like if I good point. like there, there's a guy on YouTube, uh, Superhuman, at Superhuman with two N's, that's literally just doing bumps onto a piece of plywood on barbed wire that went from 1,000 followers to 25,000 followers to 65,000 followers. So the idea of having a hardcore match on your pre-show against Jeb Bailey is probably not the worst idea in the world because, one, the arena is going to pop for it. Two, you get the baby oil spot, which will be funny. And three, you're going to get to see people get hit in the head with shit. Well, I'm looking forward to the getting hit in the head with shit part of that. Um, but anyways... After the buy-in, we start the main show, and we have Nyla Rose going against Riho, uh, going against Yaku Sakazaki. Um, I don't know. This is the thing about it. I don't know a lot about any of these ladies. Uh, I think Nyla Rose kind of was took her out of the match uh, at the uh, the last uh, at All Out, uh, so I didn't get to, a chance to see her as much. And I know both of the other the female Japanese wrestlers. They're incredible. Uh, you know, I, obviously they're in that tag match, but I'm looking forward to finding out, you know, more about them, basically. That, that, that's uh, who is going to win. I have no idea. I'm going to go with Nyla Rose just to make her a little bit stronger in this whole thing since she lost in the last one. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think Nyla Rose is probably going to win here because they need to make a strong powerhouse in that division, and, and she's perfect for that. Um, Rio is a great wrestler and I'm kind of sad that they're doing a triple threat for this match but it's also this is kind of just a, a house show that we get to see for free so it's kind of hard to get bad at it 
in the way they're booking it because their show hasn't even started yet. And we're two months out of what you know their next pay-per-view is. So we'll see what happens. But I would assume Nyla wins here. Um, the thing that I was more pissed about is we're not getting more Aja Kong, <laughs> to be honest with you. Seriously, when are we going to get Kong versus Kong? The first night of uh, Wednesday Night Dynamite? That would be awesome. I hope so. Aja Kong was great. She, like I can't remember who talked about it. Uh, it may have been Alvarez or someone on the podcast. We were talking about Aja Kong. She's older. She wrestled Bull Meccano. She's been doing this for a long time. Like I saw her walk down to the ring, and she seemed super beat down and broken. But as soon as she started wrestling, she was just destroying people. And I was like, yeah, that, sounds, that sounds about right with Aja Kong. And also her yelling at the timekeeper for fucking up their match. I, uh, I've always loved Aja Kong, but after that pay-per-view, I, like, my love has been, uh, reinvested, so to speak. So, more Aja Kong, less Nyla Rose, but I understand why they're booking Nyla Rose, and I don't have a problem with Nyla Rose at all. I think she's a very good in-ring performer, and, uh, if you're booking a heel, uh, or, or just a powerhouse like Mark Henry, or, it's really hard to think about a, a female powerhouse because there hasn't been that many. And I don't want to compare Nyla to Nia Jax because I think Nia Jax sucks. Nyla Rose is a way better wrestler. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, w- I would say, like, you know, the Mark Henry push is probably in the wings, so to speak. Yep. I agree with you. All right. The next match, we uh, have Christopher Daniels uh, against Seema. Now, these guys have worked with each other before. Uh, they, I think they've had a bunch of matches over in Japan, and I'm assuming over here in the States. Uh, so I know that they know each other's style very well. Um, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure they're, they're big fans of each other and friends. So this should be a good match. Uh, I think me and you both gave uh, Daniels crap for being just kind of um, not lazy, but just not putting in his full fourth, I guess, at all out, or at least it seemed like that. But I think that if there's any criticisms that got to his head or just since it's with someone like Seema, they're going to put on a really good match. And I think that I can't remember who won between um, the last match with, with uh, all of uh, with all of OCU versus uh, SCU won. I think that uh, SCU won the pen. Yeah, they did. The, right, you know, well they did then... that, that. They did the Melter driver where. That's um, right. Daniels came off the ropes, and I think that was the finish. It's been a while since I watched it, but if I'm remembering correctly, I think that was the finish of that match. All right, well, then, Seema's going to be out for, for vengeance over that loss since he didn't actually lose it, and he's going to beat Christopher Daniels. That will make him stronger to go against Kenny Omega at the next pay-per-view. What do you think, Chris? I kind of agree with you. I don't know that they're going to do Seema versus – or has that already been booked, Seema versus Omega? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Well, I, I would assume that. Well, if that's the if that's if that's what's going to happen, I would assume Seema wins here. And also, they really want to put over that talent, and it's not going to hurt Christopher Daniels take a loss because he's just going to go right back into SCU for a while. And I think they're going to win the tag championships with maybe like a rotating tag team similar to New Day, or if you're an older fan, uh, the Fabulous Freebirds. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. I think I think um, that I think that will be the. By the way, just before we move on, I think that will be the match of the night. If you don't like hardcore matches, that probably is going to be the match of the night because 
Christopher Daniels is amazing, amazing, amazing wrestler into a SEMA, and they're putting a perfect spot on the card to have a really, really good damn match. And uh, apparently, we were the only news outlet that didn't like their last match or the last match was Christopher Daniels. So we'll see what happens. But I think that definitely has potential of match of the night. Absolutely. Now we have a four-way match. I'm kind of hoping it's elimination, but probably is not. But it's between the four guys that interacted at the last pay-per-view that kind of showed the second tier within, I believe, uh, AEW. Hangman Page is going against MJF, is going against Jimmy Havoc, is going against Jungle Boy. I really hope that MJF continues to shine this match. Jimmy Havoc gets to show off his personality or his uh, – someone's going to get staple gun in the fucking forehead is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but I hope that this actually gives Hangman Page and Jungle Boy more um, – shows more to the audience, especially newer audience members, how they can be perceived as top baby faces in the future. I'm going to assume that Hangman Page is going to win this, though, probably pinning MJF. What do you think, Chris? I agree with you. I think that they're going to set up a spot where Jungle Boy has the win, and uh, you set up a feud between either him and MGF or the other competitor, but Adam Page eventually just gets the win in the match, because that makes the most sense. I feel like they are pushing Jungle Boy. I know he's trying to put on weight to be a little bigger, Um, because right now he's technically smaller than what, like, he's taller, but he's, like, smaller than the Young Bucks, so I know that he's trying to work out and and, uh, be there. And if you're going to do that and try to keep Jungle Boy as being loss-free, it would make sense that he almost gets the win and gets screwed over, and then Adam Page gets the pin somehow. Which, you don't have to make Adam Page look weak doing that, but, you know, you could have Adam Page still hit his move or whatever. But that would that would be my assumption or, or how it's probably going to be booked. Yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting match, and I think the biggest thing is I get to see more of MJF, and I've been enjoying the crap out of him lately in MLW and also on uh, All Out. So, and also to see I, more exposure of Jungle Boy and Hangman Page, honestly. Yeah, and if 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 Hangman Page wasn't going into a title match, I would say it's probably fine for MJF to beat him because I think he is probably he could be the next like big star for them easily, uh, especially the way he cuts promos. He, he's kind of like the Miz, but better in the ring in a lot of ways. I think that you brought that up. Um, but it's it, it's kind of weird where they're at right now because they, they have no TV, so they kind of need Adam Page to get the win. Yep. All right, and then we have a really interesting match. Uh, Cody going against Darby Allen. Um, really like Darby Allen. Uh, you know, like I think Wade Keller is the one who brought it up that – He's, he has the potential to be this generation's Jeff Hardy in good ways and in bad ways because he completely destroys his body Cause, if needed. Because he's fucking crazy. <laughs> he's fucking crazy. If you've um, seen him in Evolve or MLW, he's fucking a basket case. <laughs> and it's going to be awesome to see him completely explored. I hope they have a great match. And I kind of think... If they have a part where if it's a roll-up victory and Darby Allen gets one over Cody and Cody kind of respects him for it, like, I can't believe you fucking beat me, that could be a cool angle because, I mean, Cody's going a direction with tag team next, so it doesn't really hurt him too badly, and he's already ranked higher because of, you know, who he is. He's Cody Rhodes. So I could see that happening. 
Um, and it would be uh, it would be big for Darby. So maybe that will happen tonight. What do you think, Chris? I would do the Stone Cold Bret Hart spot here. Honestly, I would have yeah. Cody win and Darby lose a lot of blood because they're going to beat the absolute fuck out of each other because it's Darby Allen. It's going to be interesting to see because I don't I can't think of a single match where Cody Rhodes has worked that style. Uh, not that Darby Allen can't just go have a straight match or anything because I think he's actually a really good in-ring performer, but he's kind of known for taking it to the extreme and, and similar to someone we're going to talk about later with Joey Janela and Dean Ambrose, but or, or John Moxley, I should say. Um, but I, I think this is a perfect situation to do a long-form match, do a blood boss angle, and, and for Cody to get the win. I think Cody needs to get the win. He's the face of the company. And uh, I know he's doing the tag team thing, but if their ideas, wins and losses are important, then Cody should be winning a ton of fucking matches going into this tournament. You know, every time you accidentally call John Moxley Dean Ambrose, a devil loses his horns. Did you know that? It's so goddamn sad. John Moxley is <laughs> better than Dean Ambrose. Even going back to the day, like, hey, if you guys haven't yep. seen it, look up the best of John Moxley where he's doing Terry Funk and Dusty Rhodes but just quoting things from Point Break because it's the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen. That's amazing. Well, speaking about John Moxley, we have a match that's probably probably going to be the match of the night, I would assume, or at least the most talked about match because uh, John Moxley and Joey Janela, two of the biggest wrestlers to come out of CCW in completely different generations, both known for being fucking maniacs. You know, and if you think about it, the way that Joey approaches wrestling is very um, Mick Foley-esque in a lot of ways. And, you know, we've, we've put the comparison with Dean and uh, Terry for a long time of their brawling and craziness. So, uh, yeah, these two maniacs are going to fight for the first fucking time. And if Cody and Darby Allen's going to be bloody, I'm assuming both of these guys are not going to have limbs afterwards. Uh, I'm going to give this to John Moxley. But I think that Joey's going to take him to the brink, and they're going to beat the living hell out of each other and probably do a lot of spots to each other, more so to Joey, where you're going to be wondering what the hell's going to be going on with his back the next morning. Chris, what do you think? I, they're absolutely going to kill each other. I mean, they've built it into the promos where John Moxley is literally digging a grave for Joey Janela. He's like, you want to and die Joey in the And Joey Janela's ring? in a coffin. <laughs> so... Janelle is going to do some crazy shit, and Moxley's going to do that. I will say this. The Terry Funk uh, McFoley comparisons are great in the sense of, like, Terry Funk did a bunch of dumb, crazy shit. He really did. But if you think about it, he never jumped 40 feet off of a hell in the cell Ugh. and landed on the concrete like McFoley did. So the comparison of, like, yeah, you know, like John Moxley was in CZW. And he's known for the blood spot with the saw, but that saw didn't actually, the blade was like actually turned upside down. Like, and he worked the WWE style. I, I feel like Moxley is going to work very safe, and Joey Janela is going to be taking all the crazy spots, and then you probably get like a Moxley blade job. And if you don't like hardcore wrestling or blood, I would say this is probably not the one to watch. Um, also, and, uh, speaking of wait. these kind of death matches, we didn't cover it earlier, but uh, shout out Session Moss for making it to uh, NXT UK tryout, probably signed by NXT from all accounts. And uh, sorry, CCW, she's she's not going to be, she wasn't in your tournament of death. <laughs> so, <laughs> no shit. 
<laughs> hey, but uh, Dave, David Arquette wants to do it. Um, anyway. <laughs> Why would anyone want to do the Tournament of Death? The only reason they even were going to book Session Moth, I, I'm pretty sure she was just going to show up and lose right away, is because the fans requested her so hard. <laughs> so they were just going to give her a so paycheck awesome. to show up, take like a chair shot, and get hey, pinned probably. Hey, I'm looking forward to her. I'm looking forward to it to give me more reason to watch NXT UK. I think that what they're they're doing right now with this, uh, I forgot what, the Imperium, which is like this European four horsemen, Walter and and uh, all the other Alexander Wolf and uh, you know Marcel Barcel. Oh, this is gonna going off on a little uh, tangent and Fabian Eichner and now Travis Banks is kind of like you know, going against them. And I love Travis Banks. He's kind of Benoit meets Surfer Sting. There's a lot of great fucking people over there. Jordan Devlin, uh, obviously Pete, Peter Dunn and the fucking, uh, you know, Mustache Mountain. If you're giving me now Tony Storm and fucking Rhea Ripley and you're going to throw Session Moth in there too, that's pretty fucking awesome. I really like what they're doing I, over in the UK. I do too. I think that show is great and that it sucks it's not highlighted enough. It doesn't get the same promotion as like normal NXT does, and in my opinion, no. like Takeover gets you know super promotion. I wonder the, if it what does over there NXT though, UK. you know, Chris. Like if you have a know, UK membership, WWE lost their Sky Sports television oh, yeah. deal, <laughs> so now they're on. That's not good. A station that's not as good as what AEW is on. I think AEW will definitely be the British spot for watching wrestling in my opinion like in the next year just because of how many households it's going to unless they just completely shit the bed when they start up they're going to be beating they're going to be beating WWE in England like that's oh yeah but uh, uh but that's yeah, network like, television is compared to fucking niche. amazing Vortex. and uh not to bring it back to Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff but if you're Paul Heyman and you see a guy like Pete Dunne kind of just sitting on the sidelines where you're like, he's not really doing a lot in NXT, and he's not the champion in NXT UK. Now is the time. You know what I yeah. mean? Because he is the perfect Paul Heyman type guy to book as a strong wrestler. Think about the suplexes that Taz would throw, or, or Crispin Waugh. Like, he is the perfect catalyst for what Paul Heyman thinks is good wrestling. So hopefully oh my that. God. Paul pushing, Paul pushing Pete like Benoit would be fucking amazing. That would be awesome. And I, I think uh, he would do that because he's like, you know what your match is? Go out and suplex the shit out of this dude for four minutes. <laughs> the same as he yeah, did dude. Taz. Like, like it really showed when Taz went to WWE, and, and Taz had some good matches there. But when they wanted him to work the WWE style instead of just suplexing the shit out of everybody, it really showed like. He's got limitations, but it's super fun when Taz suplexes the fuck out of someone. <laughs> so it is, man. Uh, and and you can do more with Pete Dunne because I think Pete Dunne is a better wrestler than Taz. Don't at me, dogs, but Pete Dunne's fucking oh, great. Oh man, so Taz. I think Taz would probably even say that. You know, Taz. Taz's a humble dude for well for the most part. <laughs> um, anyways, let's get to the last match of the night. I got to say that I was kind of disappointed in this. I guess I got my hopes up, Chris, and I shouldn't have, but, you know, we didn't know who the uh, partner of the Lucha Brothers were, and I was kind of hoping that maybe they would just do a cross-promotion or or let Johnny go over there, and it would be the Lucha Bros and Johnny Gargano against the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. But it's not. It's Laredo Johnny Gargano or John? Or 
John, Johnny John, Impact, Johnny Morrison. Impact. Yeah, John, John Morrison. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. John Morrison and Lucha Bros versus Kenny Omega and Young Bucks because I've dreamed that match. But it's Dorado <laughs> Kid and Lucha Bros versus Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Hey, you know, it's still going to be a fucking awesome, you know, all over the place brawling style match. So I, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to enjoy it. You know, we have no choice. I, God, I, it's going to be, I think it's probably going to be the second best match of the night. I, mostly because I hate three versus three tag team matches. You end up running into yeah. the same problem as you run into with three way matches a lot, a lot. There's going to be a lot of people just laid out. But the amount of spots they're going to hit in this match is going to be exciting in itself. Um, I want to see more of Nick Jackson selling because I think Nick Jackson in the wrestling business, selling is one of the best things that's not talked about a lot. Like yep. forever, even me and you, the Observer, uh, like PW Torch, we were all reporting on the fact that he had a hurt back. And apparently his back was fine. He's just really good at kayfabing us. So I would put him up there as like one of the best sellers in the past like I don't yeah. know, three or four years. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think obviously the Young Bucks and Kenny win here. This is the the go home happy uh, feeling. It sucks for the Lucha Brothers, but it could be good for them because it could mean that they beat. Like if I'm if, if I'm the Young Bucks, maybe you get taken out early in the tournament by the brothers, the Lucha Brothers, so that you don't have to worry about you being associated with over pushing yourself or anything like that later in the tag tournament. Which is you know that's that I mean it's gonna happen. Uh, Young Bucks versus you know Lucha Brothers in that tag tournament. So I would I would probably you know maybe you split it off where the Young Bucks beat the best friends or something and then the next round they go against the Lucha Brothers. Lucha Brothers get their win back and proceed through the tournament and now you can build your T V show going forward and and you get Lucha Brothers versus S E U um for your for your titles. Yeah, man, and uh that's one thing I mean I don't I guess it's still associated with AEW but I randomly tuned in on I think it was Facebook they were posting it off, off their main page, but it was the uh, it was the Triple uh, A match between the Lucha Bros versus uh, what you call it uh, the Young Bucks, and they got their titles back. Really, really good match. But you that's, were kind of telling me one, so so Lucha won their ti- the Lucha Brothers won their titles back in Triple A, right? That's the one you're talking about. Just making sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was a great fucking match. That was a great match. And that kind of goes into the relationship between the two companies. I mean, we all hope that, obviously, uh, AEW has a relationship eventually with New Japan, but they have a relationship with – I mean, if you look at entities of companies by themselves, it goes WWE, a good amount of pegs down, New Japan, and they're huge over in Japan. And then AAA would probably be the next one for how big they are in Mexico, and they have this relationship with them. You were telling me Cody and MJF are making their in-ring debuts – uh, next month in AAA, obviously the Young Bucks have been going back and forth. And uh, what exactly is the relationship with Triple and AEW, you know, going forward that you know of, Chris? I mean, as far as I know, that they're they're training talent. They're going to be able to do one-off shows there. If you work for AEW, you can also work for AAA. From everything I've heard, um, they're doing similar to what uh, TNA did when Jeff Jarrett was in charge, where they're trading talent between the two, which I, I think is a very smart move. There's a lot of really great wrestlers in AAA. Obviously, you see like you know Luchasaurus coming up from AAA to 
um, AEW. I think there's a ton of stuff that you can do with that. Um, and they're, you know, MGF and uh, the MJF and Cody Rhodes thing is weird because they're tagging together. And Cody is not really a heel, but it's in Mexico, so it's not going to matter because it, whatever team they're facing is going to be more over than they are because they're gaijin, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think for sure it's, it's definitely the Jeff Jarrett type deal with AAA uh, as far as what he does in Impact. Uh, does Impact still have? Do you know? You may know this more than me, Dane, because you watch. Uh, you watch more Luchador than I do, honestly. Uh, AAA, do they still have their deal in place with Impact? I believe so. I mean, Drago hasn't been on it in a while. Neither has Star, But Brian Cage, I'm pretty sure he signed to Impact, but he has a back-and-forth thing going on with AAA. Um, that's, that's actually a good question. I know MLW has a lot of them on their shows, too, uh, including the Lucha Bros., it's going to be kind of crazy once, you know, I'm, I'm assuming AEW is going to set the, you know, stop all that within the future. But a lot of these, these uh, guys that go back and forth, Phoenix, Phoenix is a part of AEW. He's a part of AAA. He's a part of MLW and he's a part of impact. I think Pentagon's the exact same way. Well, I, I would say with, you know, with um, like impact and MLW and AAA, for instance, in America in general, um, Having an outlet to get your wrestling over with with uh, AEW doesn't hurt your brands at all because people that watch those brands are going to watch those brands no matter what. But maybe you get new fans from someone like a John Morrison showing up um, and doing a spot in AEW. So I, the reason I asked about the AAA thing is like if AAA is working with uh, AEW, for instance, then you know who else is working with AEW? Is Impact working with AEW, et cetera? That that kind of thing, you know what I mean? And like, Absolutely. who doesn't want to see, who doesn't want to see Tom Waller versus Kenny Omega? Oh man, uh, that would be that would be a lot of fun, and a very very different style match. But even all right, so let's 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 go through this. You know, I'm looking at the roster of of uh, AAA, some of the bigger names. Obviously, Aerostar, like I said, uh, Blue Demon Junior. Brian Cage, who's obviously part of Impact, so that would kind of change thing. Kane Velasquez is a part of AAA. Remember that. So that's a possible chess man who kind of does the uh, Wolf Wolfpack Sting look to him. Daga, who's uh, engaged to Tessa Blanchard, pretty damn good wrestler from over there. Uh, Drago, and he's a Latin American champion. Phoenix is the uh, he's a part of the tag champions, and he's the top, the mega champion for for AAA. Flamita who does freelancers over at MLW a lot. Uh, El Hero, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, they, um, Dr. Wagner Jr., I'm sorry, I can just call him that. I don't have to do all that other stuff. Uh, who's in? Who's coming to MLW, but is also AAA. Uh, Killer Cross, who's also, who does stuff with both Impact and that. Laredo Kid, who's obviously on that, that card. Um, who's the clown guy? That's who I'm trying to find. It's not Murder Clown, because that's the fatter one. Uh, La Parca, who's the other guy that stole the identity of L.A. Park, that whole thing. Um, Psychosis 2, Psycho Clown. That's one of their big guys. Puma King, he's also one of their big names. So you're, uh, you're talking about La Parca, the chairman of the board? I feel like nope, I have to make that actually, reference because Eric Bischoff nope. is in charge now. So let's get our chairs out and play air guitar. 
<laughs> this is actually La Parca who stole L.A. Park's identity of La Parca. So L.A. Park is the one you're thinking of. Yeah. Um, well, you know what I'm saying. I was, I was. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. I, it was a joke. I know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, anyways, Toros, great guy. Texacano Jr., great wrestler. Sammy Guevara obviously is a back and forther. Uh, Ray Ray Wagner already said him. And then the females. I mean, Taya Valkyrie. Uh, uh, Fabi Apache, you know, there's a lot of big male and female wrestlers, part of AAA, that, and like we said, Johnny Impact, Johnny, um, John Morrison, uh, that okay. if Impact is name. not in, if you get Impact out of the situation, there's so many talents. I want to see Brian Cage over there. I want to see Psycho Clown over there. I want to see John Morrison over there. I want to see. You know, Daga. Uh, I think I that wanna it's see, awesome. I want to see Austin Aries versus Cody Rhodes. That would be awesome. Why the hell not? Well, He's an MLW. Uh, there, there's so much stuff. I, I do feel like MLW is going to form a working relationship with AEW and probably become bigger than Ring of Honor in New Japan. Like, well, at least in America, I think New Japan is always going to be super fucking over because they have Okada, and until Okada dies or something, uh, <laughs> he's going to be yeah, no kidding. He's going to be the biggest shit ever. But like in America, like it's up in the air. Like, there's no reason why Tony Khan shouldn't look at these available outlets and these available superstars and go, "What if I pay you a little bit to bring these guys in for you know." three, four months. It's the same thing WCW did with, uh, you know, Bill Watson and Eric Bischoff to some extent um, with all Japan. So there's, there's absolutely no reason why you can't do this with these federations, especially like Tom Waller, because he's already working indie shows. He's not just doing him. Absolutely. He's not under like a one-off contract. And I don't necessarily know you need to bring in like Tom Waller, but you could, I mean, it, yeah, I think Tom Waller bringing in Tom Waller would be a good idea, especially if you know the competition's uh, really, really pushing Matt Riddle. Well, you kind of have your own Matt Riddle, and if you get it over first, then Matt Riddle just was like bootleg Tom Waller kind of thing. You know what I mean? So it, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I would, I would love you know Johnny Impact versus uh, Kenny Omega. In oh, the it's a match. It's a dream match of his. It would be fucked. He was on here. He said he'd love to wrestle Kenny Omega. I completely agree. A triple A just seems like they can have partnerships with multiple people. They work with uh, Lucha Libre Elite. They work with uh, Pro Wrestling Noah. They work with Impact. They work with all uh, AEW and MLW. They're allowed to work with all those companies apparently. So that's it's, uh, it's so interesting. that's the one thing about uh, that's the one thing about AEW and NXT that. I kind of wonder if AEW wants to go full live because by not going live, you do have the ability to bring those guys in and do a recorded television show. And then when they're gone, they're gone. Um, Obviously you get the live audience, which in some cases makes wrestling better, but uh, you know, like there's nothing wrong with doing a recorded show. Like NXT has proved that you can do a recorded show with a really great audience um, early WCW did the same thing, especially like, uh, well, I wouldn't say early, but 90, you know, Eric, that's how he brought them out of the red to begin with was that he moved everything to like, Hey, we're going to tape this and we're going to do this. And it's going to be the same audience every week. Um, similar to what NXT does at full sale. So, uh, I, I don't know. I think that would be one of the biggest problems with AEW going forward is, uh, 
you're going to do a two-hour live show, and that's if you're booking ahead of time, if they're already starting to book for the next year, then they're probably fine. But that that shit is hard to do. So it's kind of why I give WWE a pass on a lot of stuff that I think is terrible because you're booking, you know, five hours of wrestling a week plus a pay-per-view. Yep, I completely agree with you. That's definitely a hard thing to do. All right, guys. Well, um, we got 25 more minutes. Um, if we don't get any phone calls, We'll probably end the show uh, in a little while, but we wanted to open it up to you. Like I said before, uh, if you're part of Geek Vibes Nation on Facebook, then you know you you probably already understand. Uh, if you want to call in, the number is nine two nine four seven seven three seven eight one. That's nine two nine four seven seven three seven eight one. I'm just asking that you message me on Facebook or Chris. My name is Dane Alves, D-A-N-E-A-L-V-S and Victor E-S, Christopher Ray Patton, exactly how it sounds. You can find us on Geek Vibes Facebook page. You can message Chris over at over on Twitter um, and just hit us up. We'll take your phone calls, your questions, anything. Uh, we got about less than 30 minutes, but that's still a good amount of time to, you know, conjure up a conversation, answer a couple of questions. So hit us up. Uh, you know, through Messenger, let us know that you're calling in. That'll be somewhat of a screener. And disclaimer, if you decide to take it upon yourself to uh, just, you know, make a fool of yourself on our show, we will broadcast you on all of our social platforms from Geek Vibes and make you look like a douchebag. You don't want to do that. Just saying. You don't want to yes, do that. Yes, we will, we will bury you much in the same way Will Ospreay buried I'll cut a Seth promo. <laughs> you will I'll be cut a like, they were promo. very... Well, we will no. We should go the opposite route and be very nice about it, while subtly burying <laughs> Seth Rollins, much similar to Will Ospreay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, question for you, Dane. Sure. And this is not current news, not current wrestling. We're just freestyling while we wait for some calls, and, and hopefully we get some. Uh, have you ever seen the Club Lavella? <laughs> Bash at the beach, uh, where steam drops out of a fucking helicopter and rappels down to the ring in the middle of a pool. I have seen that actually. Uh, <laughs> it's been years, but I do recall seeing that. Was that that was Crow Sting, right? Correct. It was Crow Sting, Dishoff idea. <laughs> but I'm sure Sting about, loved it. I I was. I was making a joke about this in general when someone asked me to describe what wrestling was uh, recently as a joke. They were like, what would you describe wrestling as? And I was like, in the ring or just performance? And when they said performance, I'm like, well, it's kind of like – well, nowadays it's kind of like a John Wick movie or something. But they were like, well, give us an example of the craziest thing you've seen in wrestling. And I was like, well, there's a ring (laughs) floating in the center of a pool (laughs) during spring break at Bash at the Beach – and Sting just repelled in the helicopter and beat the shit out of a bunch of people. <laughs> They're like, he repelled in a helicopter? I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, that happened in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, one of the wonderful, wacky things that uh, happened. <laughs> <laughs> but what what are you going to do um, in that type of you know situation itself? Uh, uh, wow. He, they, they, at least they attempted something, you know? 
I think it was a really cool idea, just the fact of someone being blown around by the wind coming off the beach while landing in a ring after, you know, in retrospect with, uh, unfortunately, rest in peace. We didn't get talked about Owen Hart, but rest in peace. Um, Owen Hart. If you if you tell people what happened with Sting repelling from a helicopter into a ring floating in a pool, they would call you a, a goddamn lunatic. <laughs> Do you think that Sting said to him like I'm not I'm not a stunt man by the way? No, I think Sting said that sounds awesome. Let's fucking do it because at that point Sting was champion. And, um, let's let's dive into this a little bit because we we had the conversation about Eric Bischoff. How do you fuck up Sting after making him the biggest star in the absolute world? You don't have an ending for him. You don't know how the hero is going to beat the villain. You kind of just have a great story in place, and then you kind of wing it, and then probably political nature has something to do with the decision-making of the ending. And uh, the story itself of the climb was a hell of a lot better than what ended up happening. And unfortunately, some person like Bill Goldberg eclipsed you know, uh, the the size of the babyface level of hero within WCW, even if Sting I, I had a way better storyline. So, so I know that's always the story that Eric gives you is that Goldberg eclipsed Sting, but going back recently and watching these retros um, from that era of the Sting push, there was no one more over on the show than Sting when he dropped from the ceiling and had oh, the crew yeah. gimmick. He was I more, say, like, people loved Goldberg, but fucking people love Sting because Sting was their guy. He was the WCW. If you were a WCW fan, if you grew up in the South like I did, you grew up watching TBS, you grew up watching Sting, blonde hair, pissed off, beating the shit out of Ric Flair. You were a Sting fan. <laughs> the same thing as Ric Flair. Like Ric Flair everything. was more over than Goldberg. And Goldberg got oh, yeah. super over and was was really fucking great. I'm not here to like. If we have a whole separate podcast where I shit on Goldberg. Uh, (laughs) I'm just saying like How did you fuck up Sting So he wins the title And then he's off TV for four fucking weeks He does Remember how he won the title That was even bullshit At the end of the fucking Starcade pay-per-view Yes and that's what I was getting at Is he won the title because of Bret Hart But you never set up Crow Sting versus Bret Hart uh, and then you put Bret Hart in the NWO, and you know Bret Hart was injured and kind of broken. And then you look at what and Bret was wanted to work with Sting, which he should have. It would have been amazing, and I'm sure they did have a match on like Nitro or something. They but, did, or you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like that was your story. Is Bret helped Sting to win because he needs to beat Sting, and then you can have the redemption story of Hogan and. That those are the things like I'm thinking about <laughs> since Bischoff is now in thing. I was like, it, it's the worry where you're like, even if Bischoff gets handed like a solid piece of gold, if you let him just run with it and do whatever the hell he wants, he could still fuck it up. <laughs> like I watched well, him do it. That's the thing. It's the long term effect. It's it's uh, you know down the line. It's creating. That's why I'm I'm happy he's going to be. He's going to have people, I think, that can, you know, steer him the right way, have endings to good stories. It's kind of like if you have a movie. What if Infinity War fucking sucked? 
Like after all that, then that movie just completely blows ass. And if you're one of the people that says it does suck, I think that life in general is very hard for you. That's all I have to say. Uh, but <laughs> Dang, you know, I'm one of those people that, that don't think that was the best of those Avenger movies. But <laughs> well, not I'm not I'm not necessarily saying the best Avenger movie, but the, the a good okay. end to a a a, a buildup of thirty films, you know, back to back to back. You got to have a good ending, basically, is what I'm saying. And uh, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't as good. As, it wasn't as good as Logan. I'm just saying. Oh, Logan is a great ending, but guess what? Fox's ending is Dark Phoenix. So remember that. <laughs> yes, that's the only unfortunate. <laughs> that's the only unfortunate thing behind that. Uh, is is but, the ending about, where Wolverine bangs Scott's girlfriend? <laughs> is that Logan bangs Scott's girlfriend? Is that the that's, the ending that they just give us? That, well, that happened in Wolverine too. Uh, the, what the fuck? The Wolverine. The well, he wakes up next to her and starts banging her, and then he realizes that, I think it was a hallucinogen. I don't know. Uh, to keep it back on the wrestling, I kind of had a a a, ta- a thought, Chris, uh, that I wanted to go over with you since we actually have some time to do this, of how to make two hundred five great again. Do you want to Do you want to hear my concept? I would love to hear your concept on two hundred five live because I don't. I've pitched stuff in the past. And all of it I thought was kind of bullshit and not as good as uh, what I would actually want that product to be. So I am excited to hear what you have to say. Well, I'll add in that now – this is before. This is a talking point that we could talk on the show because I didn't think we had enough to talk about. Uh, this is before we found out the creative control of Mr. Paul Heyman and Mr. Eric Bischoff. So now with them being a part of this, one of my concerns was the only problem is you're going to have to try to convince uh, Vince – uh, to have certain, you know, to have matches on both programs, and obviously not just on 205 Live. But to get viewers into it, you have some of the greatest cruiserweights between the main roster itself, between NXT, between the actual 205 Live roster, and between NXT UK. You have some of the greatest cruiserweights in the world. And what I would say to do is it only needs about one to two matches per show, but if you're a certain wrestler, like, all right, I have listed, I've listed a couple people. Certain people are definitely, it's going to be higher tiers. You have 205 Live, and you have what it is now, Chris. The show that happens after SmackDown is recorded. To make these wrestlers relevant and to get them more popular, you need to interact and, and put some stars on there. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's, that's where they are now. They're only on 205 Live. Let's not make that stigma anymore. If you're competing with high-level stars on both programs, and 205 Live is an hour entity to be able to build the characters to get viewers on there, take advantage of some of the guys that are technically 205 wrestlers. I hate the name 205 Live. I don't think we're getting rid of that. If you can figure out some way to, to change that and to change the division for, for weight, it makes about two feet. Does it make you upset the fact that like Ricochet weighs the same exact as the two No, but that's people. what I'm getting at. That's, 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 <laughs> no, that's that's you, you got to listen to me because that's what I'm getting at actually. So what you do is you have the cruiserweight title. The cruiserweight goes back to Monday Night, you know Monday Nitro. You know that's that's what we think of with the cruiserweight title. It, it has some nostalgia factor to it. You have great wrestlers on there, but no one gives a shit about them because they're not in high-profile matches with anyone. They're just fillers a lot of time when on the pay-per-views. So what do you do? You utilize the talent that you have. If you brought Finn Balor on a show or Rey Mysterio, then you have the guys like Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, Ali, Buddy Murphy. You have Andrade, Tyler Breeze. 
Daniel Bryan technically, just to create great matches. They could be one-offs. They could be guest appearances. You know, Chad Gable is obviously on there. Leo Rush. Uh, Xavier Woods is under it. Uh, Sami Zayn's 210, for Christ's sakes. All those guys. If you interact them with matches on Raw and SmackDown with these guys and put, like, a big match that happens in the future with one of them, it's not going to take down a title. It's just going to expose a cruiserweight division. Then NXT, listen to these guys that you have that are coming into it that all could be able to, you know, perform with them. Kushida, Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa. In the U.K., you have Tyler Bate, you have Travis Banks, you have Jordan Devlin, you have Pete Dunne, you have Mark Andrews, Eligero, Norman Dar. Guys that are coming right now, Hector Garza Jr. is one of the best cruiserweights that was not in WWE. DJZ, Shane Strickland, ACH. Utilize all those talents. Put crossover appeal with some of those people. They can still stay on their main shows, but you have, hey, we have tonight, we have Tyler Bate coming on, and they've done that before in the past. But you even utilize some of the Raw SmackDown stars. Obviously, if they have a major, major title run, don't worry about them. I'm not expecting Rey Mysterio on every show, Finn Balor on every show. But if, you, if you're like, hey, tonight Finn Balor is, is challenging blah, blah, blah for the Cruiserweight title, it makes it more prestigious. If you had a roster that I just named all the people that I just named, Chris, and also who's on a 205 live uh, you know, with Drew Gulak and, and all the amazing wrestlers that they have on there, that's a fucking television show you want to watch. So why not interact some of the bigger names and your potential names, allow them to go over there, have tournaments and stuff like that, like the Cruiserweight Classic again with some of these names reinvigorated and make 205 Live great again. Not that it was great really in the past. <laughs> what do you think? 205 needs a top star. Um, the perfect guy would probably be Rey Mysterio. Uh, I think that they were moving in the right direction when they had Neville there as being a top star and Austin Aries challenging. So if you do that, you have Johnny Gargano, you have Champa, you have all, all these guys. I think there's a lot you can do with that. Right now, like I like Drew Gulak. I think he's a fucking great wrestler. I like Tony Nese. I think he's a really good wrestler. But they don't have the star quality as someone like Austin Aries or, uh, or you know, Neville. Even uh, Enzo. To me, to me, that's like, well, Enzo is a perfect example Sometimes not being as good in the ring doesn't matter as much if you're able to get your personality over. And I don't think that he had terrible matches in 205 Live or anything. Um, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to sit here and bury Enzo because that would be a long fucking day. <laughs> Even though we did do a segment called Bury Enzo. <laughs> um, yes, we did. <laughs> we did. I, I don't know what you like how you book it. In my opinion, the best thing to do is strip every title that's not if – you, if you're going to do a draft, if you're going to have Paul and, and uh, Eric take over and you're really going to give them directive, create, like, directive control, strip all the titles and then build from there. Build to something that matters. And I, you know, I think that – the, the perfect example, and I bitch about the never open way title all the time in New Japan because I think it's just a stupid fucking title. It doesn't mean anything. But the junior heavyweight title, and you could put a weight limit on it, would be great. Instead of the IC, the cruiserweight, the U.S. heavyweight title, have a junior heavyweight title 
and have all these guys wrestle each other. Because you know what? At the end of the day, wrestling fans just want to see great fucking wrestling. That's that's kind of it. Yep. It's not. And if you do that, it's going to suck for whoever's holding those titles. I mean, mostly Finn Balor, because I think he's the only over person with that title. But uh, it's, I don't know. I think that means more. Like, Ricochet winning a WWE Junior Heavyweight title would mean more than him winning the U.S. title at this point. Because the U.S. title hasn't meant anything since, like, John Cena got powerbombed on it by Kevin Owens, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with you. I just think that there's ways to utilize what they have in front of them uh, with the Cruiserweight division that they just don't. And you, like you said, there's a, so many wrestlers that are wrestling at a high performance on Raw and SmackDown that are at the same exact weight class as all of these guys. And, you know, I'm not, with, with people like Finn Balor, Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan, if you tell people, hey, Daniel Bryan's going to fight Drew Gulak, and he's not the champion, they're just going to have a match, people are going to watch fucking 205 Live. You should say, hey, Rey Mysterio's going to get in the ring with whoever. You know, that, that's more of like a, a way to get people to watch 205 Live or to premiere 205 or the cruiserweight division on Ron SmackDown, you have them go against a bigger guy. Then you have people like that have, 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 have spoken for themselves. You know, your Cedric Alexander's, your Ali's, your, your buddy Murphy's, but the fact that they still can go back and have great matches and help out the cruiserweight division and still be where they are on Ron SmackDown. That's not going to push them down. You have Tyler Breeze. That's, that's completely floating right now. You know, it gives someone like an Xavier Woods. If you, if the show's prestigious, it's not going to bring down the wrestlers for them to come on, and I think that they could reinvigorate the product. You have so many people right now in NXT and in, in, in general. Kushida. I mean, what if Kushida and Rey Mysterio are having a match on 205 Live? I think people are going to watch it, is all I'm trying to say. So there is a way to yep. make the Cruiserweight division they've, work. They, they've, they've done that match before, and it's fucking amazing because Kushida and Rey Mysterio are great wrestlers. But you're the best. I, but you're the best. I would say... You, you, <laughs> The problem is is that you have to strip away these restrictions on the wrestlers. I hate yep. the weight class. I hate the 205. I, I like the idea of a junior heavyweight more so than anything. Because yeah. now you have like Will Ospreay, who just won the junior heavyweight title, but he is punching with the heavyweights. He's not – in legitimately, in the G1, he's probably going to get a win over Tanahashi or Okada. And that is how you book that. You make it's. It seems so dumb, but it's like they forgot that like the whole thing that made Rey Mysterio great was that he did beat some of these big guys every once in a while. So putting like oh, a Rey yeah. Mysterio versus a Braun Strowman and him getting a win is a huge fucking deal, regardless of title, rank, whatever. And WWE is pigeonholing, pigeonhole holding themselves by like saying. You have to be under 205 pounds, even though our top guy is, like, probably 215 pounds. It, it just doesn't make any it's, sense. It's there's point. no ranking. And it's like someone like Cedric Alexander, who could have great matches with 90% of the people on that roster, you're just like, But he's on why? a 24-7 what? fucking run. Like, why the fuck would you even do this? Like, not everyone is going to be, like, well, 24-7 Chad Gable's like, writing fuck. notes. You know what I'm saying? Like... Uh, there's so much great wrestling that could be had in that company. They have, if you count just 
what a cruiserweight wrestler is. It's supposed to be 210 and under, but whatever. But the weight class concept, they have some of the most talent in all their brands combined out of anywhere. It's, it's, this should be what the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship is. And, yes, there is other titles, just like Japan has with their U.S. title. They're never open weight. Yeah, the IC, it's kind of dumb. But with this specifically, you can have some great fucking matches. And instead of it just being a dumping ground for wrestlers they don't know what to do that's a certain weight class, this could be like a title that Johnny Gargano wants to hold because he has a chance to go against Daniel Bryan on Raw SmackDown in a major match or before pay-per-view. You know, I mean, ugh, I, it's just it's just sad that we're going to have – DJZ is going to end up there. Shane Strickland is going to end up there, but it's going to be not in a, a, a good light. It's going to be a part of the breed of a, of a, uh, of a show that's going to end up dying probably and a yeah, title that and, will just dissipate. You're, you're 100% best right. I think that is, like, the biggest problem is, like, it, does Tony Nese actually weigh 205 pounds? Because I am I pretty no sure idea. that that guy – Weighs more than 205 pounds, just muscle wise. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, the entire gimmick of 205 Live doesn't make any sense unless you're just going to show us spot matches or something. Um, the reason WCW worked is you had, like, the cruiserweight in WCW, you had Hooventude, you had Eddie, you had Chris, you had Ultimo Dragon, Ultimo uh, Parker. It was great. So many good I don't necessarily think you need to call it the cruiserweight i don't think you need two middle tier titles i I really don't i love the light heavyweight concept just just say it's light heavyweight it's 215 under and that you can only be you know underneath that weight class to be able to perform for it you can still have a show and call it something else on the network if you want to but once again it's just another title within the wwe and that's one thing that you keep on saying i keep on saying that we don't need but if they're already going to have it, they're already going to have the show, you might as well utilize the talent and elevate it instead of just letting it slowly fucking fade to, fade to black, if you will. Why would you, why, I but, don't know. Why would you not do 250 and under? And call I it light heavyweight. Like, That's, yeah. see, now you're, you're getting into the, what I was talking about. If, if like, you're only trying to protect big people from getting beat by small people, what the fuck does any of this weight class shit mean? It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> the junior, at least with the IWGP, the, the IWGP, it is a stepping stone. You and have those to guys weight go on. You ha- you almost have to win it to ever become a heavyweight champion. It has well, little to do with the weight and more to do with the quality of matches in that tournament and what it means. And you could do that with your intercontinental title. You don't need. I just. A hundred fucking could, titles Chris, on your show. I, if, I, if I could, if we're going by what we have, I would start off with another Cruiserweight Classic, and I would involve pretty much everyone. And it would stem shows, be like a match per show, plus a fucking competition, and just have great wrestling. I guess that's what it really comes down to. But hey, guys, this has been a fucking long day of talking about wrestling. I hope you guys <laughs> like the double show. If you work a warehouse job like me, this is plenty of content, and you're welcome. So um, I think me and Chris pretty much have talked about everything that you could in wrestling and have proven it takes us apparently four hours really to have a show <laughs> where we can talk all the way until we don't have anything to talk about, and we talk about Sting and Cruiserweights. So, Chris, 
thank you so much for joining me for this uh, long four hours, sir. It was a uh, it was like a telethon, if you will. But um, say goodbye <laughs> to the wonderful audience and uh, give any plugs you want to give, any uh, any information, social media. Thanks. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. You can check me out at at Chris R Patton on Twitter. Christopher Ray Patton on Facebook, Christopher Ray Patton on Bandcamp. If you want to hear some of my country shit, um, oh, I might well throw all the uh, throw all the gimmicks out there. Um, I would love to talk to you. Just hit me up. And uh, uh, the big thing is, uh, everyone have a good night and uh, enjoy Fighter Fest. If you're listening to this and you've made it through all four hours, you're probably watching Fighter Fest. So enjoy the shit out of that and uh, pray pray to whoever your spiritual guide is that Joey Janela and, and John Moxley don't kill each other tonight. Seriously, but check it out, Beach, or Bleacher Report, to be able to watch it two hours for the pre-show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a wonderful evening, and let the Geek Fives be with you. Hola. It's the mayor of Slamtown, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, FKA, John Morrison, sometimes known as Johnny Gimmick Name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold says so. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.